Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Deanna Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project Podcast. My mission is to bring awareness to health and wellness concerns that are impacting our communities. On this podcast, you'll learn strategies to improve your health from health professionals from around the world that are trying to make an impact in people's lives. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a great guest in the building today, uh, Dr. Richard Harris, uh, lifestyle physician. Is that correct? Lifestyle medicine physician? That's what I like to call myself. That's yes, <laughs> Perfect. Hey, thank you so much for being on, on the podcast tonight. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. And, you know, we're both men of God. So thank you to our Lord and Savior for allowing me to come and speak with you and your listeners today. Amen to that. Amen to that. So uh, let's let's get us started off. You know, let's tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, what you do and and how you got to where you're at now. Sure. So I always tell people I'm a part time doctor, which is probably the weirdest thing they've ever heard, because they're like, wait, how can you be a part time doctor? And I started off as a pharmacist. Uh, I worked as a pharmacist at MD Anderson making chemo, realized that I wanted to go to medical school and pharmacy school, but I didn't want to quit pharmacy school. And so I went to medical school while working as a pharmacist. And then in medical school, I realized that I wanted to combine my love for sports and exercise and supplements and all of the holistic wellness into one program. And so I quickly realized that mainstream medicine has no interest whatsoever in holistic care. And it's funny because I used to get in trouble at the job I was working at because I wasn't putting people on medications and I would pull up their charts and be like, well, this person's losing weight. This person's numbers are improving. Like, what do you really care about? And they cared about the metrics. And so I left uh, to start my own online practice. And now I do all kinds of different things. I work with the companies in health and wellness, trying to create innovation and create a better system for healthcare, true healthcare. I have an educational consulting company. We work with kids on social emotional learning, starting these kids on healthy behaviors at a young age. I have a podcast, Strive for Great Health podcast. It's all about health, wellness, lifestyle, mindset. And then I still see patients maybe once or twice a week trying to introduce them to holistic medicine and really empower them to take control of their health. That that's that's a lot. That's a lot. But I think it's it is it's nice to speak with someone that, you know, I like to say, you know, on the front lines of all this, you know, and, and you brought up something very interesting to me um, and, and based on this is just my opinion. Right. So um, when the pandemic hit, um, I was of the mindset of, OK, this is the perfect opportunity for health and wellness to, to shine a light on it. We could talk about, you know, supplements that are great. Exercise and health can be the topic at hand, the discussion. And then in my opinion, what happened, it was, oh yeah, that, that that's cool, but vaccine. You're okay, you know, health and that's cool, but you know, it, it was almost like, and, and this is not me saying whoever took the vaccine or doesn't want to take the vaccine. This is not that argument. What I'm saying is, this was a great opportunity to talk about preventative care, talk about improving our health um, from within, uh, exercise, diet, and, and, and 
mental health and all of those good things. Um, but it felt like the majority, the only concern was the vaccine is going to save us. Right. So um, battling through that, cause I'm sure you've had those conversations with people or you've kind of seen sim- or had similar experiences um, talking to those people who uh, want to look past the vaccine, want, you know, want to have. Um, are looking at what happened with COVID-19 as um, a lesson to, or, you know, kind of to get back into the swing of their health and get back in check. What would you say, or what are some of the steps that someone can take um, to go forward? Sure. And I think this is something that's so important because there's going to be another COVID-19 and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And the main reason it was so bad here, a study actually showed that I think it was 63 or 65% of COVID hospitalizations could have been prevented if we were metabolically healthy. That's an astronomical number. The whole face of the pandemic would have been completely different. And in this situation, we have to work on the host. If the host is diseased and sick, it doesn't really matter about these other interventions like medications and vaccines because the host is still at risk. You know, if your house is on fire, you're not going to be worrying about your insurance policy right at that moment. You're going to be trying to put the fire (laughs) out on your house, and then you're glad you have insurance to back that up. And that's not what we do with our health and wellness. So I always tell people, listen, the most important aspects of health and wellness are nutrition. Nutrition is king. It doesn't matter if you exercise. Nutrition is the most important. Exercise is the queen. It's the second most important. And one of the things I often see is, well, I can eat whatever I want because I work out. That's not true whatsoever. You have to have the right nutrition. You have to put the right fuel in your body. And so people are often confused about what to eat. It can be complex. The simplest thing is make most of your plate vegetables, right? Eat less often and eat a little bit less. If you do those three things, that will get you to most of the important parts of nutrition. And then exercise, we often think that we have to spend an hour, two hours a day in the gym. Yeah, we overthink we're overthinking. We're overthinking it. And we're looking at bodybuilders who do that, right? That's who we're like, oh, in order to look good, I have to do what they do. Well, they're training for something specific. In order to be healthy, you can do a seven-minute at-home body workout three times a day, twice a week, to get the full metabolic benefits of exercise. It doesn't take that much. And so we often have to look at the domain of what we want to do. I go play basketball once a week, but I'm not practicing like LeBron James because I'm not trying to be LeBron James. Right. I'm just trying to be in shape enough to go play once a week. And that's my whole goal and my whole routine revolves around that. And so those are the things I tell people are the most important Oftentimes, they're the biggest lift, though, right? It's the biggest change to get these into your routine. And so if that's the case where people feel like they don't have a lot of capacity, where I tell them to start is two other fundamental principles of health, and they cost you nothing. You don't have to change much in your routine to do this, and that's mindfulness and fasting. What do we just talk about? Eat a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are meant to go through fasting cycles, and there's a lot of great data coming out 
on intermittent fasting or time restricted eating, whatever you want to call it. And that's something where it doesn't cost you anything. It actually saves you money to eat less. And you don't really have to change too much in your routine. And it's the same thing with mindfulness. You can start off your mindfulness with something simple as a gratitude practice. Just wake up every morning and say three things you're grateful for. And trust me, if you do this, your whole mindset and outlook on the world will dramatically change. I know it sounds simple, but it will if you just try the gratitude and try the fasting. And that's how I often get people to buy in to a healthy lifestyle. I feel like the simplest things make the hugest impacts, right? Just going on a simple walk can make a huge impact for your health. Just adding more, like you're saying, adding more vegetables to your diet can make a huge impact. I will say bodybuilders are probably the worst people to look at for health. I know a lot of bodybuilders that have type two diabetes right now. Like you would, you would look at them and not think it, but they are metformin. You, you know what I mean? So that that's great. You talk a lot about uh, having a wellness plan. Like people have financial plans, uh, things of that nature. What does a wellness plan look like? Absolutely. So a wellness plan is like anything else. You have a goal, right? You always have to have a goal and then you have to have a why. So those are the two most important things. Before you start action, have a goal and then say, well, why am I trying to achieve this goal? So for instance, my goal is to lose 30 pounds. Well, why are you trying to lose 30 pounds? Because I want to be able to play with my grandkids or I want to be able to go on this hike or I want to be able to fit in this dress for my 20 year reunion, you know, whatever your goal is, have a why behind that. And then once you establish that, then you come up with your plan of action. And oftentimes we just think it's supposed to be easy. And we're just like, well, I'm going to lose weight. Well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. I'll just eat a little bit less and uh, maybe get a little bit of exercise. That's like saying, I'm in LA, I'm going to drive to Boston. And how am I going to get there? Well, I'm just going to jump in my car and start driving. You're not going to get right. there. Right. There's no, there's no possible <laughs> way you're going to get there. And right. so that wellness plan is sitting there and just literally thinking about, okay, in this scenario, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change this with my nutrition. I'm going to try to budget in some exercise here. You know, I've got some time here. Maybe I can do some mindfulness. Uh, I have some... Uh, capacity in this area. Let me try to fit this in. And then it's making sure that we're not taking large leaps because large leaps are a great way to have large failures. And then that sets us back. We break things into small chunks, small actionable chunks, and that way we can see steady progress over time. And so just like if I asked you, what's your five-year financial plan? What's your 10-year financial plan? What's your one-week financial plan? You can probably rattle these things off pretty quickly. And these are yeah. things that we know because we've sat down and we've planned this out. But a lot of times I ask people, well, what's your five-year wellness plan? What? What's your one-week wellness plan? What's that? And so if you want to succeed, you have to have the goal, the why, and the plan. And make the plan something that's actually achievable. We talk about smart goals all the time, right? Breaking those big audacious goals up into tiny digestible chunks. And that is how people succeed. And one of the things I always tell people is, look, the people who succeed versus the people who don't, there's nothing magical about the people who succeed. We oftentimes attribute success to these otherworldly people. They're like aliens or, you know, God just made them different. I'm pretty sure he made us all in his image. 
right? It doesn't say, well, I made you and that person's image, you and that person's image, you and that person's image. He said, we're all made in his image, meaning we all have the same stuff. We all have the same capabilities. The only difference between the people who do and the people who don't is the people who do believe they can and they set a plan and they stick to it when things are hard and they push through it and they adjust. So there's nothing innately special about the person who achieves their goals. They just did it. And that's really what it comes down to. Right. So nothing happens without that belief, first and foremost. Right. That's kind of what you're saying. Like, if you don't have that belief, then the five-year plan will, will never happen. Someone now they're like, they're like, Dr. Harris, I'm on board with my five-year plan. I understand my why, you know, I got my why down, um, but I'm still, I still don't know where to start where, when it comes to my exercise and nutrition, there's, there's so much they're going online and they're getting confused by so much information out there. Um, how can someone calm themselves or calm their brain to focus on um, getting their strategy in place? Yeah, that's a great question because you look at something online, you'll see five different answers to the same question. Yeah. And you really don't know. And so one of the things I always tell people is in this space, people who are credible post link and talk about data. If you're following someone online and they're not posting studies, they're not linking studies, they're not talking about studies, you are getting their opinion. You are not getting facts. And so do not follow that person. Do not listen to them because there are plenty of people out there who are evidence-based, who actually reference studies, who give you leeway in what you're supposed to do. If someone tells you, hey, my way is the only right way, that person is not someone you want to be following because there is no one size fits all when it comes to this. So spend the time, do your research. It's like you're making an investment. If some guy comes off the street and says, hey, give me a thousand bucks, I can give you 30% on your money. You're probably not going to give that guy your money, <laughs> right? But then we'll go online and do the same amount of due diligence and then say, oh, I just found this article and it's believable and it seems okay. And then just believe what they say and take that in. No, spend your time, do your due diligence, look at the credentials, look at the testimonials, look at their evidence, look at what they are getting their information from, where they're getting it from. And always, always, always in this space, only follow people who are posting data. And that's why I love people like Mark Hyman, people like Chris Kresser, people like Dr. Cheng Ron. Um, these are people who follow the data, who also really focus on the behavioral side of things as well. And that's how I am with my podcast and the people that I help. When you take my wellness course, if you're taking my five pillars course, you know, it's all about nutrition and exercise and sleep and toxin avoidance and all the things in lifestyle medicine. We don't even get to any of that for the first two weeks. The first two weeks is all about mindset and behavior and associations and developing that health mindset. Because if you don't develop that, then you'll never stick to that other scientific information. So that's where I, t that's the number one thing I tell people. And then again, be realistic with yourself. Figure out what you can do, right? Don't just try to change everything at once. If you think it's going to be easiest for you to improve your sleep quality, start there. And it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Even all the habits, all the healthy habits, everything that I've built in my life, it took me years to develop this. 
you know, I would do one thing. I feel really good about it, really comfortable about it. It will become routine. It will become a habit. That way I didn't have to work at it. And then I'd add in the next thing. And so I would just layer skill after skill after skill after skill. And that's how this would happen. So we have to have, give ourselves grace, allow ourselves to take the time to really master these things before we move on to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is so true. Go, going forward with, with lifestyle medicine, you know, we, we hear it a lot. It's a lot. I feel like a lot within the last year, I've heard about lifestyle medicine more than I've ever heard of it before. Um, in, in your terms or in your, what, what is lifestyle medicine to you and where do you think lifestyle medicine is going in the future? So lifestyle medicine is everything that we do on a daily basis can either add to or subtract from our health. And I always like to tell people, my job as a lifestyle medicine physician is to make sure we're making way more deposits into that savings account, our literal health savings account, than withdrawals. And it's getting people to see all the things in our environment that make a difference. And you might be saying, well, that doesn't seem like it really matters. The actual biggest impact on our health is what zip code we live in. There's so much in our environment that determines our health. And another example is people who say, well, this just runs in the family, right? It's genetics. You know what else runs in the family? Habits and environment. Those also run in the family, and those are a much stronger predictor. In fact, when you look at something like our biological age, right? We have our chronological age, which is how many days, months, years have passed since we were born in our biological age, which is the accumulation of damage and, and other factors to our cells, right? And they don't always equal. And in fact, our biological age is a better determiner of what disease we may get or disability than our chronological age. And how you interact with your environment is a really big part of our biological age. And so this is something that we've seen people reverse diabetes, uh, improve Alzheimer's, treat cancer, all of these different chronic diseases through lifestyle medicine, because it doesn't just act on one part of the body. It really makes sure that the body is in balance, that our systems are in balance, that our hormones are balanced, that our gut is balanced, that our brain is working well, our thyroid's working well, our adrenals are working well. We need that balance in order to prevent disease. And if we do have a disease, to reverse that disease or treat that disease successfully. Why, why don't you think that just like your, your, your average primary care provider doesn't utilize some of this, uh, this mindset, you know, what is it about, um, the lifestyle medicine physician and just your regular, you know, primary care provider? Cause every, whatever, everything you just said, it seems logical to me that that's what my provider should be doing for me. But as you're well aware, that's, that's not the case for some people who have a primary care physician that, at in the doctor's office. Why what where's the disconnect? Like why aren't some providers taking on some of this mindset? Well, the first thing is and this is going to sound a little bit conspiracy theory, but it's true. Big pharma has a big part in 
what is taught in medical school curriculums. And so I went through two doctorate level programs, pharmacy and medical. So I have two doctorates. The amount of time we spend on nutrition was all of about five minutes. I never learned about meditation and all the numerous studies and benefits of meditation. We never talked about fasting and all its benefits. We don't even really talk about sleep and how important sleep is. There's a fundamental lack of biochemistry and physiology teaching in medical school. It kind of glosses over it. So the base is not there for physicians. So when I got out of residency, I went back and I started studying everything I could about physiology and biochemistry and relearning all of that and seeing how all these behaviors impact it. So the first thing is we're not taught. The second thing is there's a massive agency problem inside of healthcare. In fact, I don't even like calling it healthcare. It's sick care. Our healthcare system is designed for acute care, meaning if you're in a car accident, there's no better place in the world to be treated for those type of situations in America. And it's not even close, mm-hmm. right? If I'm in a life-threatening situation, acute care, I want to be here. We have the best facilities and treatment protocols in the world for that. We're really, really terrible at chronic disease. And that's because of the agency problem. Neither physicians nor insurance companies are really incentivized to actually have people be well. And so you go to your primary care doctor. How often do you see them? You see them maybe once a year, maybe three times a year for a total of probably about 20 minutes a year. What can I do in 20 minutes? A year. Yeah, nothing. I mean, <laughs> nothing. like literally nothing. There's nothing you can do except the, the easiest thing, which is, well, here's a pill and yep. let's hope that it works. And then as a pharmacist, if, if people actually knew the data on medication, they would probably never take another medication because medication really works at the population level. What do I mean by that? Let's take statins, for instance, statins right. like Lipitor or... Crestor, these are billion dollar blockbuster drugs. If you look at statins for primary prevention, meaning the people who haven't had a heart attack or a stroke and they take these medications, what is the risk reduction, right? Because that's what they're used for. They say, hey, take this because this is going to reduce your risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. Well, the, at the risk reduction is somewhere around one to 2%. What that means is 99 to 98% of people who take these medications will see no benefit from them. In fact, we know that they double your risk of developing diabetes. There's a 40% increased risk of skin infections taking these. They impact cognition. They impact energy generation. They cause severe muscle cramps and muscle aches in some people. And even then in secondary prevention for people who have already had a heart attack, the absolute risk reduction is somewhere between one to 9%. Meaning we see people all the time on these medications have repeat strokes and repeat heart attacks. And they're confused because they're taking their medication. Right. We're just going to double your dose. That's the reason mm-hmm. why you had the heart attack. Right. Even though we, if you look at the data, you know why that person had a heart attack. Because they're not one of that 9% or one of that one or 2% for primary prevention that the data shows it's going to help. 
And so I'm not saying, you know, stop taking all your medication, but what I'm saying is don't just rely on the medication. Cause if you're taking medication and you're eating Whataburger three times a day, <laughs> why are you even taking the medic? Don't take, don't take your medication. If you're going to do that, you're just wasting your time in that situation, right. right? You're, you're, you're not helping yourself. You're continuing to hurt yourself. You know, you, there's only so much of your lifestyle that medication can overcome. And it's just unfortunate here in America that we have some of the unhealthiest lifestyle and environments in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost, that's why I say people like yourself are on, you're on that front line, man, because it's, it's a, it's a big battle to fight, you know? Um, if, can we talk a little bit more about, about mindset? Cause this is kind of, this is something that's so in, intriguing to me is um, we can have all the information in the world uh, about our nutrition, about, about our health. And then if your mindset is not there, it, it, it doesn't matter. And, and I see a lot of patients who have had a lot of trauma in their life, right? They have, they've had a lot of bad experiences. Um, I work for a safety net hospital. So I, the population that I serve is a lot of um, under or uninsured um, the socioeconomic issues, you know, you, you, the whole nine. So they have a lot of these issues on in the background and we're trying to, that we're trying to kind of fight against. And a lot of our conversations are around mindset and, and behavior change and um, getting them to the, to even start to believe that they can make a change. Right. Um, when you're working with somebody who, has a lot of those, you know, traumatic uh, past experiences and, and that belief of there's nothing I can do. This is just who I am. Uh, what can they do to start to take that step out of that dark room? Like, how can they start to really um, kind of build their endurance as far as increasing their their motivation? Yeah, that's something that you see all the time where people just feel so stuck. Yeah. And in that situation, it's a it's all about perspective. With that type of person, the, you have to work initially to shift their perspective. And I think one of the key ways to do that is number one, mindfulness, right? Being present in the current moment. Because when we're present in the current moment, when we're not so focused on things we can't control or so anxieties, things like that, we begin to, to shift our perspective. And it's like that gratitude practice, right? If you say three things you're grateful for, you can pretty much find three things very easily. And then you'll start to say to yourself, you know what, maybe my life isn't that bad. And if you start to say to yourself, maybe my life isn't that bad, and you start to shift your perspective, you'll start to see opportunities where you only saw negatives before. And that's part of that growth mindset. And that's part of the health mindset is looking at things like they're an opportunity, like they're a chance to grow. Instead of saying, you know, I don't know anything about nutrition, say, this is an opportunity for me to learn something about nutrition. Mm. Instead of saying, you know, I'm someone who doesn't like the exercise, say to yourself, this is an opportunity for me to learn about how I can improve my health and wellness. So your mind will go as the nature of your words go. Words have power. The Bible says words have power. Yeah. The Bible says we must guard our words because as our words go, we will go. 
And one of the things I always like to tell people is ask yourself empowering questions. If you, if you ask yourself negative questions, you're going to get negative answers and you're going to go negative. If you ask yourself, well, what can I do? How can I make this work? That starts to trigger in your mind solutions of how that can work. If you say, well, I'll never be good at this. What it's going to do is it's going to trigger in your mind reasons why you'll never be good at that. Nope. You're, you're, going to, you're, start, you're going to start to believe it. Like, yeah, I can't do this. And it's going to be, you're going to even get, you're going to get stuck and stuck and stuck. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder to get out of that situation. Absolutely. Um, continue on with, with, with mindset. Cause this is just, you know, this is something that I, that I just, I love to talk about when, when somebody got to that point, right? This is, and I see this a lot. They, they, they said the three things they're grateful for. They're able to get that one foot out. They accomplished that first goal. They're excited. They're pumped. The next week they missed that goal. Right. And now, now it's like, they're starting all over again. And sometimes in my opinion, it's almost like, you know, they took five steps back because of that one failure. How do you get back to starting over again? You know, what is it about the mind that um, we always go back to where we're comfortable and some people are comfortable with negativity. So when they, when they lose, they, I knew it, boom, they go right back there. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? And how can somebody um, kind of restart and, and, and kind of take a deep breath and, and get, and get back going again? So there's two different ways that you can look at failure. You can look at it like it's a personal attack, like there's something wrong with you, like you'll never be good enough. Or you can look at it like it's a part of life. Everybody fails. And I can tell you over the last three years of being an entrepreneur, I failed a lot. And by a lot, I mean a lot. <laughs> you know, for the first year of being an entrepreneur, I was sitting there smacking my head against the wall. <laughs> and then I finally got a tiny little breakthrough and I'm still trying to navigate it. Right. But it's, it depends on how you look at it. I never looked at any of these failures. Like there was something wrong with me. Like I wasn't good enough. Like I didn't have what it takes. I said, what can I learn from this? And that's what I, that's why I always say failure is a choice. And what I mean by that is if something happens to you and it doesn't go your way and you choose to learn nothing from it, then you've chosen to fail. Mm. But if you choose to learn and you choose to grow and you choose to say, okay, well, this didn't work. Well, how can I make this work? Oh, well, maybe if I tweak this or maybe if I try that, it'll work. And then it starts to become fun because then you're like, Oh, okay. Well, now I can try something else. Now I can learn a new skill. Now I can apply something that I learned here. And the other thing I tell people is don't be selfish with your stories because our stories are not just for us. And if you do something and it doesn't work out for you, think about, well, who can I help with this information? Mm -hmm. Because then you've really not failed because you've learned something and now you can take what you've learned and help somebody else. So I don't think there's anybody on the planet who would say taking information that you've learned and using it to help someone else is a failure. No, some people make businesses off of that, off of their <laughs> off your failures, just like that. And giving that information to somebody else. That's that's good. 
That's good, man. Uh, can we talk about supplementation for a little bit? You know, what are some good supplements out there? I mean, there, there are so many. There's a website that I use that, that I kind of, you know, test whenever I hear about a supplement. Um, I go to examine.com. There's a bunch of store uh, research studies on there. You can kind of pick out the ones that are, that are legit. You know, I love that website, but what are some good supplements that people can be adding to their, um, adding to their life at, to improve their health, uh, out there? What are some good ones? Yeah, this is something that is a billion dollar industry, right? Supplements. So in order to answer that question, you have to go back to what supplements were originally designed for. Supplements were originally designed for people who didn't get enough of something in their nutrition. Mm-hmm. So like vegans or vegetarians, they don't get enough iron. They don't get enough B vitamins. They don't get enough choline. These were designed for people to take and then not get nutrient deficiencies because of their nutrition plan. And then the market just exploded. And so I don't really like to say that, hey, everybody should take this supplement because it really depends on your situation and it depends on your genetics and your own metabolism. And actually, we're getting into the age of personalized medicine. Personalized medicine is here. Mm. People are already doing it. And now you're starting to see actually companies get into this. And I joined the board of a company called Routine. And what Routine does is it measures... 55 important genes, and it measures 80 aspects of your metabolism and custom makes a supplement for you that has 18 vitamins and minerals. And that is the era of that we live in now to where before a couple years ago, I would say, well, here's some things that may help you, but I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know for sure. Now we can test and say, hey, this is something that you could use for sure. And so that's the number one thing when people ask me about supplements, I tell them routine. Number two, and this is something that a lot of people can use because a lot of people are stressed, is I like adaptogens. Adaptogens are molecules that help our bodies deal with stress. And what they do is if our bodies are too stressed, they help bring us down into normal. And if we're not able to mount enough of a stress response, they help bring us back to center. And so they put us right in the middle. And two of my favorite in this class are CBD and ashwagandha. And then, of course, things like reishi and cordyceps mushrooms. Those are all things as well that are part of that class. And so the adaptogens, uh, you can test for these types of things, but they're really things that are very low risk as far as side effects, high upside um, they're, they're not negatively going to interact with most people's physiology. So those are some things that I, I recommend quite often, most of the time. And actually I take, like, I, I use the routine. I use CBD. I use adaptogens. Um, I use uh, therapeutic, uh, mushrooms, um, lion's mane, shaga, rishis, all of those things. And so those are some of my favorite, favorite supplements, but in the entire supplement game, it's always best to test before you take something because you may take something that your body doesn't need. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I haven't taken all. I mean, I, I take CBD. I've never taken. I've wanted to try Lion's Mane. I've heard about it. I just didn't know. I just there's just so much I didn't know. I didn't know about it. So I'm glad you say you, you take it. So I'm I'm, I'm going to try it out for, for myself. 
yeah i'm trying to think of the name i think it's it's from layered the company's name is layered and they make a performance mushroom powder and i actually add it to my pre-workout all right man well well dr harris you know thank you so much for being on today i really appreciate uh, having you on and and you know take you taking the time out of your day uh for anybody listening that wants to um get in contact with you and learn more about you and what you're doing uh where can they reach you yeah you can head to our website thegh.wellness.com it hosts my wellness courses my e-store for supplements my cbd recommendations it also hosts our podcast the strive for great health podcast if you like what you heard today, we go very much in depth on all these topics in the podcast. And then on most social media, you can find me at DR Harris MD. Awesome. Well, again, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for being on. Uh, I appreciate that. And everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll holler at you next time.